Just a little love note to all of our loyal free cookie listeners and to anyone who might be new to the show. This is an ad-free podcast. And we want to keep it that way. We want to make sure that we can just give you guys the awesome content, the great interviews. and Without the stuff that you have to fast forward. But in order to do that, we need your support. So if you could join us over at patreon.com forward slash free cookies and become a patron of the show, there are many tiers that you can join. You can throw us a dollar, you can do five, and it turns out we're going to start putting some content up for those of you who are hardcore free cookie supporters. We're going to make this worth your while. So if there's some of you out there who just listen to the show, and you feel like, hey, you know what? I could, I could spend two, three bucks a month. Great. If you guys need a little something as incentive, we're going to put some videos up on Patreon that are going to be exclusive to those of you who are free cookie monsters. And I mean, we're talking some good content. Like I'm going to take you inside my sneaker closet, like that kind of content, you know? And I will contribute recipes and perhaps every now and then our dog will give you a soliloquy. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash free cookies. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Catherine Butig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today. (laughs) Okay, I'm laughing so hard. All you know this, many of our devout cookie monsters know that I have to look at our Instagram bio every time I read that because I don't know. And I looked over at producer Lindsay and she's mouthing it as I'm saying it. So basically everyone except for the freaking co-host, which is me, knows what the show is about. Do it. Do it. You're not looking at it anymore. Say it. Say it. (laughs) Boom. Go. Free Cookies is a podcast that you all want to no come on i'm serious i'm so nervous right now i can't do it baby love baby okay you know what we have gone over the fact that you always have to read offering good advice and ideas and delicious takeaways yum 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 yum, chocolate chip someday someday (laughs) someday and we're gay gay And today, okay, back on track. And today, we are joined with the amazing author Stephanie Garber. She is the author of the Caravel series, young adult series, hit series. Um, and she just released this beautiful special collector's edition of the first book of that series, which is called Caravel. Caravel. I like that she said you can say it however you want. True, but she said. She said Care. it two different ways. Caravel. I know she said like care, like that's caring, and that's why it stuck with me. But speaking of caring, she is one of the more um, kind, like she seems like she would taste like bubble gum. You know what I mean? She's like, she's just. God, I love you. God, that is not a description I've ever heard, but <laughs> I know what you mean. I, but tell me, tell me what you mean, though. Just that sweet, poppy. Like the double, double, double stuffed gum, you know, like the big gum, big chew, big chew, not double, not double mint. Wait, I'm combining gums. Double, double bubble. bubble. Not double mint. Double bubble. Double, double stuff. stuffed. That's an Oreo. But this is free cookies, which is, again, the tagline that I don't remember. But the fact that I went with double stuff means that I am still the co-host of this show. Yeah. I, I'm going to let you just keep going <laughs> because you- so much ground has been covered in such a short period of time. We've, we've touched on your failure with idioms uh-huh. although that wasn't really an idiom it was no, just I a just double got st- excited about gum yeah. which truth yeah. be told i can't chew gum because the um is it aspartame in the gum you know when you there's sugar-free gums yes 
I, no kidding, get an immediate headache when I chew that. And this is something that you and I, you love chewing that kind of gum. I like the pure, the P-U-R. Yeah. Per. Well, what about double stuffed gum? Because that has real sugar in it. I don't know. I haven't had real sugar gum in forever. You know the gum that my dad loved so much? Well, let me guess. Big League Chew. No, but I loved Big League Chew. Grape uh, Bubblicious. No, but that's a good guess. Yeah. Bazooka. Do you remember oh, Bazooka? Yeah, yeah Bazooka. Yeah, and they like, came in that yellow, red, and blue wrapper. With the, with the comic inside of it. Yes. Yeah. And it <laughs> would literally taste good for maybe five chews before yeah. it just turned into this plastic chewy thing in your mouth. It was terrible. Whereas, but whereas double stuffed gum actually gave you that Double like, stuffed gum! Well, you just did it. Well, I did it on purpose. I Come on. I did it on purpose. Like, that's what I'm going to call it from now on because you are my person. And if it's, if you said something that was quote unquote wrong, I'm going to make it right. I got excited that it's obviously an easy miss step. It, it definitely, I, people all over the globe are always on like, is it double of- stuffed? Or is it double bubble? Or what is that? Back me up, Cookie Monsters. You can email us at free cookies. <laughs> yes. uh, we we had a path for this podcast. We this did. happens frequently. We, we had a road we were walking down. We did. And then we saw the leaves are changing colors and, and we got a little distracted. And I can remember what that path was. It was because Stephanie because Garber. Robert Frost told me. Stephanie Garber, she embodies what you think double bubble tastes like and feels like. That like. Yes, no. and the optimism that comes with blowing a bubble. You're carefree if you blow a bubble, right? It's not yeah. like, I'm focusing really hard, chum, 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 blow a bubble, pop. No, no. this is like, you know, you're like skipping. Um, and we, we talked, so Stephanie, and maybe she's new to some listeners, many, many of you may already be fans, but she has had a very successful um, career with this Caravel series. And she's quite open with us about the long road to this level of success and uh, the several very interesting novels that you're going to hear about. And I don't want to give any of it away, but the topics are great novels that had to get shelved that never got published. And, and we talked to her about, you know, what was it that kept you going? Because most people cannot handle rejection and mm-hmm. and that's normal right i don't think we're wired to be excited about rejection but the, the people who truly experience these levels of success are the ones that have the capability to keep pushing forward and she shares a yeah. little anecdote about her and her father and ultimately she said i knew i could do better yeah yeah the the, the anecdote she shares was after one of uh, her failed novel attempts in fact she she articulates that it was, she wrote the whole trilogy, it sounded like, of this first attempt at fiction. She didn't just write yes, one. not Caravelle, but one the that first, we yeah, will This was like five read. previous novels. She didn't just write the one. She just got apparently full of gusto and wrote the whole trilogy and then queried and like looked for an agent for it and couldn't find it. And she was, as you'll hear, she was out for like a bike ride with her dad. And her dad was like, you know, honey, I think maybe it's time, dot, dot, dot. And here's the place where he could have said, this isn't the right career for you, or maybe it's right. time to stop this dream. Maybe it's time to move on. Instead, he said, maybe it's time to try again. Yes. And the concept of knowing that you can do better is one that I am very interested in right now because I am an author. I have two published nonfiction books, but I am in the middle of submission for my first novel, a piece of fiction. And I originally submitted it as a young adult novel, thinking that's what it was only 
to hear from all of the passes during the submission process that it's not a young adult novel. And um, that was a, a, a weird pill to, to swallow to understand that the book that I've thought this was for a full year is not what it is. It got stuck in your throat a little bit, that pill. It did. Yeah. Alanis said it best. Yes. Um, Jagged and little, I remember it being. And so I I had to kind of go back to the drawing board. I mean, there was easy things aging my main character up and what have you. But I made the realization that I want to give this novel the best shot that it can get. And so I I hired a freelance editor with expertise. It's a fantasy novel. I hope you guys get excited and that it sees the light of day and you actually get to hold it in your hands at some point. But um, instead of being like, oh, crap, I wrote the wrong book. I'm handing it over to this wonderful man named Marco. And on Marco's bio, he has something that's really stuck with me, and I think it's stuck with you too, Kate. He quotes that pessimism is a misuse of imagination. Mm-hmm. And uh, and to, if you do want to hit us with the Pat Summit quote that yeah, goes I, hand in hand with that. Yeah, I haven't yet like found the strings tethering these two together, but Pat Summit. Um, the famous women's basketball coach from the University of Tennessee who passed away from early onset Alzheimer's. She has this quote where she says, in the absence of feedback, people will fill in the blanks with a negative. Yes. And, well, I guess I can easily connect those two, say, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you got this. I, <laughs> I can do it, but I think it's, it's always good to lower expectations. So then when you obviously I'm about to exceed them, people are like, fuck, she's smart. Light bulb. Um, yeah, so obviously... It, Pat, what Pat Summit was saying was like her players, like in the absence of her sharing with them, like what she thought about something, they would use their imaginations and mm-hmm. fill it with pessimistic thoughts exactly, and negativity. And that, like, I think that is the way of the human mind. You tethered that, you connected that. You, oh, man, I, you know what? They weren't even strings. They were Oof. like, they were like sailing ropes, like really you were like Penelope, like at the loom, just weaving, 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 weaving. <laughs> I mean, like I went and like I double stitched those two thoughts together. You, you did. Know? Yeah. But so that's something that I think both of us have been working on because we both have projects on submission right now. Kate has several different projects and it is very easy while you're sitting around or reworking something to just, we even talked about it this morning, even with this freelance editor, which I am paying money, <laughs> I am giving him money to edit my book and help me. I have seesawed between him getting back to me after he reads the manuscript and just being like, yeah, so I'm going to refund you. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally nothing I can do to help because, this terrible mush of words. Because you need to go put this in a fireproof receptacle and light a match. <laughs> um, or, you know, I, on a good day, seesaw to the complete polar opposite of him getting back to me and being like, we've got a hit on our hands and I am so excited to be involved in this project. And of course, I'm hoping it's going to land somewhere in the middle. Well, actually, I would be really excited if you thought it was a hit, but it, it, it's so fascinating yeah. when we let our minds go unchaperoned. They, they don't often go to great places. And like the, the thing that would happen to me a lot when I was at ESPN, luckily I don't get these emails anymore, would be like an editor or someone superior to me would send an email on like a Friday afternoon and be like, Hey, let's talk on Monday. And it's like, (laughs) did I think that, did I think I was about to get a raise or that they wanted to praise me? No, I first I'd be like, that is like anyone who does supervise people never do that. Totally. Never do that because I like at least sign it with an emoji, like a, like a rosy cheeked smile. Right. Right. Or like the red dancing lady. I mean, that's also a good one or a burning cigarette. (laughs) Ooh, maybe eggplant. 
<laughs> Wait, that's no, you're not, gonna get fired. Don't do that. That's not a good yeah, one, actually. Don't do that. But yeah, like <laughs> I, I think listeners can probably relate. Like I if someone, even if it seems positive, if someone's like, let's talk then, or my mom will do this sometime, and my dad used to do it, he'd be like, call me. And like as soon as I mm-hmm. see it, like the negative thoughts turn to panic in that case. Like, so now if any of my family members want me to call them, you know, cause I don't listen to voicemail because who's leaving a voicemail anymore. Like that's silly. My mom would be like, call me nothing wrong. And even that I'm like, nothing wrong, wrong, but it's something bad. Right. <laughs> so, so I guess the project for ourselves that we're working on and perhaps yeah. you dear listener yeah. is, um, notice that space yeah, Notice it, that empty space where there's no feedback, where you don't have the answers. And do you have a propensity to fill it with pessimistic thoughts? And knowing, we all know that's a waste of energy. A waste of imagination. It is the ultimate waste of imagination. And how can you then flip the imagination into producing something that you want to see put out into the world? I think that I could have just let that thought be the last one. But that's okay. You but should I probably wanted, have the last word. Yeah, but I, I, I wanted to just have listeners hear my voice at the end and just give you kudos for that final thought that leads us perfectly into Stephanie Garber and Carival. Now go on, please chime in. Eggplant. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Stephanie Garber is the number one New York Times and internationally best-selling author of Caravelle, Legendary, and Finale. She grew up in Northern California, where she was often compared to Anne Shirley, Joe March, and other fictional characters with wild imaginations and stubborn streaks. When she's not writing, Stephanie teaches creative writing and dreams of her next adventure. All right, Stephanie, I am sitting here and I am holding your special edition of Caraval in my hands. This is gorgeous. This is one of the prettier, I I mean, actually, you know, I don't have a lot of special editions. I'm going to start with that. (laughs) But I'm now thinking I need to change that because this is so beautiful and so special. And my first question for you, and you probably get this a lot, but why Caraval and not Carnival? Is there a difference between the two? Caraval is so much sexier than Carnival. Thank you. I actually... I don't think I've ever gotten that question. Ooh, Ooh. Starting off strong. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I I get a lot of like, how do you pronounce it? Which I never like to tell people how to pronounce it because I'm like, it is a made up word. So maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, I really, I, I just kind of took the word carnival and played with it because I knew I wanted, I wanted a unique word but I wanted a word with a familiar connotation. Mm-hmm. So even if someone says um, carnival or carnival or whatever, it doesn't bother me because I'm like, that was kind of the feeling I was going for something familiar, but different. Um, so that's why I changed the word um, and sort of made up my own version of it um, to give the feeling of something familiar. But let people know this is this is something you haven't seen yet, hopefully. <laughs> so in, in Caraval, for listeners who have not read this yet, is a part of a trilogy. It's the first book of a trilogy. And um, I was talking to your editor a while back, and I told her that I, I've read the first book, and I'm saving the other two kind of like a frozen wedding cake so I can pull it out when I need a, a little something sweet and exciting. It's such a, it's such a special 
world. And, and I mean, I hate asking people to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do you have an elevator pitch for people who haven't read this yet? Yeah, no, I ask people the same thing too. So I know don't feel bad. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my elevator pitch is, I haven't given this for a while. So now I'm thinking, which one do I use? What's the um, <laughs> Caraval is a once a year performance and every year it visits a different city and it never goes back to the same place. Scarlett and Tella are two sisters who live on a remote island and they have always dreamed of attending. For seven years, Scarlett's written letters to the mysterious master of Caraval. His name is Legend, and she's asked him to come to her little island. And then finally, after seven years, he sends her tickets, inviting her to a special performance. But um, the performance takes place right around her the time of her arranged marriage. Um, so she doesn't want to go. And then her sister kidnaps her, <laughs> brings her to the island where they are then told that everything that happens is just a game. Uh, but as strange and sinister things begin to occur, Scarlet begins to question what's real and what's not. And if it really is just a game. That's okay. really good. Yeah. It was a long elevator ride, but it was worth it. But that was, <laughs> I, I mean, describing your own work is so oh, difficult. Really, that was impressive. Yeah. And um, thank you. And I think you, it's probably been a while since you had to do that because most people, it, it's a very famous book. So I feel like people can, you know, read any of the thousands of Goodreads reviews or all of the many articles on it. But um, if you can, if, if you can take us back to when you, this was just, you know, the gleam of an idea, um, have you, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll be watching, Catherine and I will be watching a movie or a show and you get the sense when the show makes a joke that they might have written the entire script just to tell that joke. Um, <laughs> you know, you just, or you can see where like the, 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 the full like seed of, of the, the movie script or the book, you can almost feel where it came from. Where, when it comes to Caraval, was there, was there a character that was the first part of this idea was it the the carnival of carival itself like what's the evolution of that yeah that's such a good question so with caraval there were a couple seeds there were a couple there were a couple things that that all like i had a couple different ideas a couple pieces that helped form it um and I'm going to go a little out of order because like the, this one isn't the first seed, but it's like the quickest to explain. So mm -hmm. one of the seeds was I was watching um, Boz Lerman's The Great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. And I'd already had the idea for this like game, but it was such a loose idea. I couldn't figure out how do I write a book about a game and no one knows if it's real and no one knows if it's fake. And I didn't know where it was set. I couldn't figure it out. And then I was watching The Great Gatsby and it's that scene, you know, the scene we all know where like Leo's holding up the champagne coupe and yep. toasting and there are fireworks going off and people are dancing and it's bright and there's so many costumes and color. And I just remember watching that party and feeling like this, this is what I want to write. I want to write a book that feels like a Boz Lerman movie because mm. I'm also a huge fan of Moulin Rouge and I just oh, love yes. the way, the best. you know, yeah. it just, it's just like bleeding colors and, you know, especially like Moulin Rouge, like when you first watch it, it's like sensory overload at mm -hmm. first and just so like over the top. And I just knew I was like, this, this is what I want this story to feel like. Um, I'd written another book that I couldn't, well, actually, no, I did get an agent with that other book. 
Um, but the agent quit. I had, I got it. I wrote another <laughs> book that I couldn't sell and it was a space pirate book and it took place on a very stark spaceship. I want a and space pirate book. We'll, uh, we'll follow up on that after yeah, we'll, we'll we hear more about, about that. Okay. <laughs> well, and the setting was just very stark and I had reasons for it, but I was like, you know, I really don't want to spend a time, my time there. So I knew when I wrote this book, like one of the seeds was like, I want it to feel like a Boz Lerman movie. So when I wrote, I gave myself the freedom to just be, to go crazy with description, you know, to be over the top with colors and adjectives. And, you know, so that kind of bled into, bled into everything I did when creating the world and even my characters. Um, so I think like second chapter, one of the first lines talks about Scarlet's emotions coming in every color. Um, because I wanted even, even those colors to, to be part of my character and how she feels. And, um, so that was one of the seeds, um, the other seed. So I knew I had, I wanted to have this game, which is where the idea came from. It was a little trickier. And, um, and the second seed was when I was, um, I was listening. Have you guys heard the fallout boy song centuries? I know Fallout Boy, but I don't know Centuries offhand. But if you want to start okay. singing yeah, do you, it, or do you feel I bad? W- <laughs> I will try to recite the lyrics. If I start singing, you guys would probably lose listeners. I've been told I can't sing very well. Um, and so it's like um, some legends are told, some turn to dust or to gold, but you'll remember me for centuries. Mm. And I think that's like the first line. And then I, I really like Fallout Boy and I really like this song. And I remember the first time I heard it on, I think it was actually on the radio, not anything streaming. Oh, um, there we go. Yeah. Oh, I know, yeah. We know that song. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. probably, that's probably illegal, but yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pay for those rates. super <laughs> fun. So I like listened to it. And then as soon as I heard it, I like immediately like started listening to it on repeat. Cause I was just like, I became instantly obsessed. I was like, what if? what if legend is my game master? Mm, mm -hmm. And, um, because I like, and this goes back kind of like to the idea of, you know, the Marie blue book legend. Mm. Have you ever heard of that book? No, I don't think so, but we, okay. It came out in 2012. It's a dystopian novel. And I picked it up and for some reason I didn't know anything about it. And I just assumed that like the main character was named legend and I was super excited. And the main character was not named, named legend, <laughs> but it was a great book. It was a fantastic book. Um, and ever since then I'd been wanting to write about a character named legend. And so I heard that fallout boy song and it just sparked this idea of like, why don't I just write my character mm-hmm. named legend? And I just sat down and I wrote about this guy who gave himself the name legend Um, and I was like, who the heck is this person? What, who does he, or who does he think he is? And that was kind of like, we're the first, like one of the first like concrete things I'd really written about the book. And it ended up being, I want to say like chapter five in the book, which is, um, where the girl's grandmother is telling them the story of Caraval and Caraval master legend and how he came to get his powers via a wish and he created this traveling game and he's kind of a villain, but people are in love with him. And, um, it was this whole mythology that I just wrote after listening to that fallout boy song, because I was like, this is, this is who I want this character to feel like. And so, um, that's where he came from. Mm. And the game started, the game started taking more form from there. Um, so those were, those were a couple of the seeds. And then for the game itself, there are a lot of different places. Um, 
but it was, I was just obsessed. I was really obsessed with the idea. I think the simplest way to say it would be as a kid, you know, I'm from California, grew up going to Disneyland and I really wanted the rides to come alive. Yes. Um, right. Like yes. you're on Pirates of the Caribbean. And I always, I always wanted to get out when there was like the skeleton on top of the mountain of treasure. Um, did you also I daydream always... about getting locked up in a museum and everything coming alive at night too? I feel like you were probably that kind of, <laughs> that was me. Growing up. Catherine wants I, that to happen as well. I, I still do. <laughs> I, I, my dream was with Disneyland. Okay. Not so much a museum because I didn't do the museum visits, but if I had done more museum visits, I probably would have <laughs> wanted that too. And so I, you know, I always wanted to like go to things and, you know, even with like plays or anything like that, I wanted to like be in it. Like, not like an actor or anything, but like I wanted to experience the magic. And so I had this idea of, you know, what if there are these traveling performers and they come and they don't just perform, but they let you experience the performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then we have a character who doesn't know if it's real. And when you were writing this, Stephanie, did you know from the get-go that you wanted this to be a young adult novel series? Because it definitely has... I mean, elements of like Night Circus, Aaron Morgenstern's book. Um, but, you know, and, and you have these really juicy, fun, sinister turns in the book. And did, I don't know if you ever wanted to lean into the darkness and go even further. Or did you know, like you knew your audience from the beginning? For this one, I knew my audience for the beginning. Um, at that time, I think I was reading exclusively young adults. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to write an adult novel, um, because I wasn't, I wasn't reading adult novels at the time. So like my interest was purely, purely young adults. So, um, I think I would have, you know, felt unqualified to write an adult novel. And I was just like, so fully immersed in it, in young adult. And, um, and I felt like Scarlett and Tella, like their, their journeys are young adults. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, I knew from the get go that I wanted it to be, um, young adult. Um, that's young adult is what got me writing. So I was like all in. (laughs) So let's go back to these pirates in space. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) That's why we're married. (laughs) Um, Catherine was telling me that she read, she read somewhere that, that you wrote five books before, Writing or several or four yeah. or or maybe the legend grows and really it was two. Who knows? <laughs> but when what did you feel differently about Carval when you were done with it than those previous books? And is there a world in which those previous books should see the light of day? It was just hard to get published then. Like what what what's your perspective now on on those books that don't haven't been released? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on those books. I am so thankful that none of them got published. (laughs) Um, I, with the space pirate book, especially, I felt like, um, you know, I, looking back, I'm really proud of that book. And I feel like that book, I got my first agent with it. Um, but I don't think I knew who I wanted to be as a writer when I wrote that book and Caraval was the first, I think I wrote that book and I loved all those things. I love space. I love space fantasy. I love sci-fi. I don't really have business writing sci-fi because I don't think I'm as good at fantasy because I don't understand a lot of that stuff, but Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, and I think with Caraval, 
one, I had learned a lot. So the first, like skipping ahead to the very first series I wrote, there were also two sisters. And I remember one of my first readers was like, um, I can't tell the difference between these characters. And I was Mm. like, what are you talking about? Like one is brunette and one's blonde. (laughs) They have different names. (laughs) One is totally messy and the other is neat. And and I was like stopped there and I was like, oh yeah, she's right. I don't think I know how to write characters. Um, And I really didn't. (laughs) Like that book was all plot, no character development whatsoever. And I didn't even know how to do it. And so Um, you know, I think each book taught me something, something else. And I think, you know, with Caraval, I sat down to write that book and it it felt like the first time I was finding my voice. Mm. Um, it was, I want to say I I wrote it in like the space pirate book had been first person. And then when I wrote Caraval, I uh, had started teaching creative writing. And I gave my students a piece of advice that I'd gotten from someone else. And it was like, find your canon, like not necessarily your favorite books, but the books that you want to emulate. And so I had done that for myself and I had noticed, um, I think looking at most of those books, they were all third person Mm -hmm. and looking at like the way they wrote and the way they talked about things. I think I had started writing, um, or I'd been heavily influenced during like 2012 and everyone was writing dystopian and it was all like first person and really immediate. And I'm much more of a, I like to see the whole world. I'm very, very visual. So I think stepping back and being third person and, you know, kind of cheating with my narration at times is a little more me. So I think I explored a lot of different writing. Um, but Caraval was the first time, like I found my voice and, I I was able to learn from the characters I'd written and even with like the space pirate book, which was super fun, but it was such a big, big world. Like I had this huge map of all the worlds and they went to all these different planets and every planet had different rules and there were all these different empires and all these things. And it was just really big. And so with Caraval, (laughs) I was like, I want to start simpler. I want a book that anyone can slip into. I want something, you know, where the magic is, at first glance, very easy to explain, you know, where it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that far off or maybe something that could take place in a magical world of, you know, like I was thinking, I was very like the idea I wanted to kind of make it feel a little like Victorian times, but slightly different. So it didn't feel like you're so immersed in another world. So I think I loved writing all the other books, but I, I learned like from my mistakes and I, and I hope I'm still learning from my mistakes. Well, from this experience, you you know, especially for aspiring, aspiring authors, it's, you know, if, if people haven't actually gone through the process of trying to find an agent and then, you know, going through the submission process and it, it, it is such a laborious, like often wildly draining experience. And, and as someone who has, written several books and I am, I will forever be sad to know that this pirate space pirate will not be part of my life, but I'll (laughs) get moving on. How during that process did you reach the level of understanding that this isn't meant to be, but that it's a beautiful stepping stone and you learned a lot about yourself because it's versus what's so easy to fall into of like, I'm not a good writer or this isn't meant to be, I need to do something else. Like how did you persevere? How did you keep climbing? I love that you asked this because I actually really remember, um, 
I remember, I remember this moment. Um, so I had in 2009, um, I left a job that was like really unhealthy for me and I was, I was just a mess. <laughs> yeah. I was just a mess. This job was just so wrong for me and I was completely burnt out and I had asked my parents if I could move in with them while I applied for other jobs. And they were like, of course. And then I applied for other jobs and I was like, hey, what if I cancel my interviews and stay here for a while and write fantasy novels? And they were like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is great. And um, I remember writing, I remember writing my first three books and they were all, I did that thing you're not supposed to do where I wrote the whole trilogy. Like it was this huge fantasy, you know, fantasy portal trilogy. And I loved it. And I wrote it thankfully super fast because I knew nothing about writing. So I really didn't, I just wrote, I just wrote, wrote, wrote. And my parents being the wonderful people that they are, they read the whole series and, um, loved it. And I, they did. They did. And my mom (laughs) still says it's her favorite. I know they're the best. And and I remember, I think I queried like over a hundred agents. Um, it did a lot of revisions, a lot of new queries. And, um, I got nowhere with that book. I didn't get a single request from an agent. Oof. And I remember I would write, I, I was still living with my parents and I would ride bikes with my dad every single day. And I remember on a bike ride once he was just like, you know, Stephanie, you might need to let that book go and write another one. And I remember it wasn't, it was really funny because I remember feeling, and I still feel really thankful because I didn't want to stop writing. And so when he was like, and write another one, I was so happy that Mm. it was like, you're giving me the chance to write another one. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt so fortunate, like this, this isn't it. Like I get to, I get to try again. You know, so I feel really lucky in that, like, I had the support of family who were like, you know, like they weren't, they didn't tell me this didn't succeed. So you should give up. Yeah. My dad was just like, okay, this one didn't work. So like, take what you've learned and write another one. Mm -hmm. And so I really think of that because I think, you know, had the people in my life been like, Hey, I just don't think you're cut out for this. (laughs) At the time I, I really wasn't part of any writing community. So you know, now I feel like I'm always telling people like, let it go, move on to the next one. Um, because I feel like I've learned that. So that was, you know, that was a really helpful thing for me. And also just hearing that and realizing like, that was what I wanted to do, but I was afraid to do it. Um, Hmm. because you know, you invest so much time, but I, I really, I don't think anything is ever wasted. Like I really, you know, I think it's important to see projects through, but sometimes, you know, you have to see projects through to learn from them. And, um, my, I just remember that moment with my dad, like, let it go and write another one. And I wrote that other book. Um, I actually wrote the other one. I was so fast back in those days. (laughs) Um, I wrote the other one in like a month. Um, it was terrible. Is this the one between, uh, before space pirate? Yes. This is my killer clone book. Oh, you're killing I'm me sorry, with all these stories these we're not going to get. <laughs> they, were, they were super fun and so terrible. Like really, like the Killer Clones book. I loved this book. I thought it was so fun, but it was real dark. 
Okay. Real, real, real dark. And people who read it were like depressed at the end. Uh, <laughs> and then you started watching Baz Luhrmann and everything shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, I just need to like make this happier. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And I wrote that book and I still didn't get an agent, but I got requests. And so I felt hmm. like I was getting closer. And, you know, for me, each time with those books, I could see that I was getting closer and, um, I think I got 11 requests and I felt awesome yeah. with my clone book. And then, um, <laughs> I love when you. I, wrote, <laughs> Thank you. I wrote the space pirate book. Um, I remember I, I knew I wasn't doing, I knew I was, I had felt like I had plateaued and I felt like my writing was definitely better from my first, like these two sisters are only different because they're blonde and brunette. Um, <laughs> And then I found, you know, I, I did an online contest that had just started out. It was like its first year. Um, so this was Pitch Wars. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the contest is like huge now. I think mm-hmm. it is. But I did it the first year and I found a mentor and she was amazing. Um, her name's Elizabeth Briggs and she writes romance novels. And I just still to this day love her. And she taught me a lot about writing and and I did way better with that book. Like she helped me get my space pirate book in shape and I got a ton of agent requests. But I also remember, um, I got an agent with it, but I felt like I was getting that agent by the skin of my teeth mm. and it made me feel, and I also, Oh, I remember, I remember there were like tons of pieces cause I was so obsessed with writing and trying everything. And I remember being at, um, I went to the society of children's book writers and illustrators, Los Angeles conference and I heard Judy Bloom speak and she talked about a rejection she got that was like, dear Judy, you're a lovely person, but I don't think you're a very good writer. Oh, geez. <laughs> I know. Right. And she was just like, but I knew I could do better. Yeah. And that was how I felt. Like I felt with all those books, I felt like I could do better. And so for me, it was just like, I just wanted the chance to do better. I just wanted the chance to keep trying um, because when I started out writing, I, I didn't have any delusions. I was like, I love this. I don't think I'm very good at this, but I love it. And I want to keep working. So my, my whole thing, that whole time was like, I just wanted a chance to keep trying and to do better. And that was, that was, I think one of the things that kept me going because I was, when I got rejected, like I got it. Like I was never surprised. <laughs> um, I was always more surprised by the requests, but I just wanted like the frustrating part for me was when I didn't know how to improve, when I knew I had room right. to improve and I didn't know how, when I didn't know enough people, when I didn't know what books to read or what conferences to go to. But I felt like the harder, the more I tried, I met people and people like helpful, wonderful people. And I would go to book signings and I went to conferences and I was just learning and learning and learning. And so I think for me, like what kept me going was just the idea of like, I could do better. And that's just such a hopeful thing to me because it's like, it's not, it's like knowing like I'm working towards this goal that's achievable. Like I can do better. And, and I think, you know, with Caraval, I felt like that, that was my best. And if, if it hadn't worked out with that book, I might have given up after that yeah. because it would have been like, okay, I think I, I think I finally done it. I think I finally got this right. And if it's not right for anyone else, I'm probably not meant to do this. But yeah. until then, it was like, I was hoping it would happen, but I also knew I was like, I know I'm not there. Yeah. And so I was, I was working to get published, but I was also working to get at a place where, 
where I, I should be published. You felt good about I, it. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think some sometimes it seems like the outsider perspective on writing is that because most people uh, can write as in they understand the English language. And so then therefore they are like, well, I could write a book because it's just a lot of words in one place. <laughs> and it, it, it can even as someone who is also a writer, it can it can often feel like either you have it or you don't when it mm-hmm. comes to fiction, like either you understand how to structure a story. And sometimes I have the belief because I write predominantly nonfiction that with people who write fiction, it's like something works in their brain where they truly understand how to get my attention and keep my attention. So the question in there for you is, were there things you actually were taught and told or learned through books where you actually were like, okay, here's how I need to structure it. Or here's how you get a character character to be more three-dimensional. Or here's how you get people to feel compelled to turn the page versus it just being this innate thing you're supposed to be able to do as a writer. Yeah, that's a, that's such a good question. Because I know, I feel like Stephen King, even in his book on writing, says kind of mm-hmm. like, you either have it or you don't. Yeah, and that t- always makes me... Yeah, when it comes Rally. to the storytelling part of it, there it feels like because I read that book as well. He's very good about, you know, the the I guess the structure of writing, but sometimes I feel like that the innate storytelling thing is the thing that you either have or you don't. Yeah, but, but I, I think, don't think that's true. That, but I know in that book it seems like that. That's sorry, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think you know, I think some people might have might have it innately more than others. But I feel like for me, I really had to learn it all. Um, I I read so like, and I think I think it's interesting because so many people like I do not connect with the book Save the Cat. I, oh yeah, the that, the beat book about yeah, each beat. Yeah, yeah. I don't do well with the beat thing, but like I I do so well with um, the person who, when I read his books, I felt they changed my life. Um, was Donald Moss? Okay. Hmm. I. I love Donald Moss's books. And so I felt like, you know, he showed me how to write because before it was just like, I would read things and see what they did and kind of be like, Oh, I can do this. Um, and I could, I could tell a story, but I feel like those books really showed me like, this is, this is how you tell a story in a way that, you know, makes it much more compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I learned a lot and I mean, I still am like a craft junkie. I still reread those books. Mm. I, I love John Truby. I watch master classes on writing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love all that stuff. And so I feel like I'm trying to think back, like how I learned the process. And, you know, also like I'm looking at like even my pitch, pitch wars mentor who, um, with my space pirate book, like she loved the first half and she was like, I almost don't want to mentor you because I don't think you need it. And then she read the second half and she was like, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, my. <laughs> you know, because in the second half of that book, in the first half, my character had lost all her agency. And so, you know, I think for me, when I first started writing my characters, and I didn't even know what character agency was, I, I think very much in, like, plots. I'm very, like, plotty, twisty. What are all these things? You know, like, I just you know, that I can throw in the air and throw out the characters. And one of the things I really had to learn was like how to have a character. Like I didn't know how to do character at all, you know, mm-hmm. giving a character a desire and, you know, showing them change and having them be the one who is, you know, making their choices rather than the plot shoving them around. Yeah. Um. 
So things like that, like I learned, I don't, I feel like I'm doing a terrible job with this answer because I hadn't really thought about it, but I do believe, I, I believe in like, I believe it can be learned. I believe it can mm-hmm. be learned because I feel like I, I feel like I learned how to do it. I would read so many like agent blog posts and writer blog posts and I would study like openings of books and see what one hooked, what ones hooked me and why they hooked me and how mm. they started. And, you know, I did a lot of studying for those. For me, it was really like first chapters and seeing like how to start and where to do this and how to like, you know, break up information because I feel like you can have the story. Like I feel like, I don't know. I think most of us can come up with a story, but it really is like trying to figure out the best way to tell it yep. without like overwhelming the reader or confusing the reader, which I still sometimes fail at. Yeah. <laughs> and well, so in the new collector's edition of Caraval, at the very end, you give readers a, a little teeny tiny sneak peek at your, your current project that you're working on, your next novel. And you know, with this, and, and this is an expected 2021 date as yes. of now? Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, is there any little clues that you want to drop about what it's going to be about? I feel like I saw something about vampires on your Instagram once. Maybe, what are you maybe I'm hoping, us? I'm hoping <laughs> there's going to be a vampire. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a space is, pirate. Um, <laughs> so there is a, okay, so in the in the um, paperback of Manali, and you can see, I recently took a picture of this, and this is probably where you saw the vampire mention, although I do like to talk about vampires frequently because I like them a lot. <laughs> oh, me too, yeah. Um, I know, they're the best. <laughs> they are the best. Timeless. Really mom, mom, mom. <laughs> so I, um, they were, so for the, okay, I will tell one secret. Mm. I probably shouldn't tell, but that's okay. I've been holding on to this a while. Ooh. So at the back of the finale, um, paperback there's this it's like I think it says like what Stephanie Garber's next project is and I want to say it's like the daily rumor and um it has this like gossip sheet with like all the rumors about what I'm writing next mm-hmm. um and which is you know one of the themes in the book not like my rumors but just rumors in general and um because there were all these rumors going around um, like someone actually had sent me, I don't think I, I think I've only like said this privately to people, but I think it's so funny. Um, <laughs> someone had sent me and I'm not saying this isn't true. So, okay. Backing up saying there's this rumor sheet and it says all these rumors about things I'm writing. Um, some of them are not true and some are totally true. And it says that at the end. Um, and I think some people thought the whole thing was a joke, but it's like, no, some of these things are true. Some of these things are not true. I'm not saying what is true and what isn't. So it's like, if you want to read the sneak peek in the back of the collector's edition and then read the little rumor sheet, maybe That's the way you can go. pair the two together. You might be able you to might guess. be able to get some pieces. Yeah, you could like Sherlock it. it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you might be able to guess. I mean, we will be revealing soonish, like in several weeks, um, what the truth is. But we did this rumor sheet because there were all these rumors. Like Penguin had put in on someone's Edelweiss page that they knew I was writing a vampire novel. <gasps> what? That and was me. Were... I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and someone sent it to me, and this was like two years ago, and I was like. Actually, I don't even know what I'm writing next. <laughs> but it's um, nice to know someone does. <laughs> That's like, a magic trick. Thank for letting me know that. Um, and then someone at one point had created a had created a Goodreads page saying I was writing Encore, and it was the fourth Caraval book. Um, hmm. 
and we had to get that taken down because I was like, this is not a real book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there were just all these rumors. So I was like, hey, you know, this would be fun to put this in. Like all the rumors I've heard, some of which are true, some of which aren't. <laughs> That's fantastic. Can get. So, um, um, yeah. I have. Okay. So. I used to work at, at ESPN. I don't know if you like sports or not, but I, the, the correlation I'm about to make, I think we can follow even if we're not big sports fans, mm, Bring it. but we, we used to always have these discussions about which athlete heading into a game was in a, uh, was in a, maybe a more stressful position. Was it Tom Brady who had, you know, who had like three Super Bowls or however many he had at the time, or was it like, this rookie who had yet to prove himself. And I always thought the rookie had more stress on him because he hadn't yet proven himself. But a lot of other, a lot of other people I worked with were like, no, like Tom Brady has all these Super Bowls and there's all these expectations. And then therefore he's feeling more pressure because he's already set the bar. Um, so I'm relating this to you in that, do you find as you're now, it sounds like with your mysterious next project, some words have been put to paper, but do you find that you feel more pressure now? Or did you feel as you compare it to previous version of you sitting down to write, you know, space pirate slash uh, killer clone slash <laughs> your mom's favorite trilogy, like wh which <laughs> version of you do you feel more freedom in your writing? Oh, that is Okay, that's a great analogy and a great question. Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> I think, you know, I felt the most pressure with Legendary and Finale. Um, mm -hmm. Like, especially Legendary, the sequel to Caraval. Um, you know, so many authors talk about their second books being the worst. And right. it's all true, unfortunately. Um, and so those books, those books just like drained me. Um, I was just a nervous, anxious wreck. And... With this new book, I feel a lot like I felt with Caraval. Um, so this book had sold and I had like pitched over the phone, this whole pitch to my editor and she didn't like it that much. So I revisited it and came up with a different pitch and she was into it and my agent liked it and I wrote it for two months. And then one morning I woke up and there was there was this other book I had been wanting to write, um, actually two other books I'd been wanting to write. And I'd written pitches that I'd never showed to my editor because I couldn't get them right. I couldn't come up with the right story for these two ideas that I loved so desperately. And I seriously woke up one morning, two months into this other book. And I just had the whole story, like not the whole, whole story. I didn't know how it ended. I remember calling my editor and saying, I don't know how it ends. I don't know if this is a series yet. But this is what it would feel like, and this is like the beginning, and this is what happens, and I've already written one chapter, and I know this just happened yesterday, so I'm calling you too soon, but I feel like this is the book that I need to write. And it was just like this really overly dramatic, impassioned pitch, mm -hmm. and bless Sarah Barley, and she was like, okay. She was like, you know, I had a feeling you weren't actually going to really write that other book. Like, I know you change as you draft, and she's like, go for it. All right. <laughs> and... And I felt so excited and, um, and I, I was so, so excited. And my agent had, when we sold this new series, um, it's now a series, but when we sold it, she had gotten me a lot of extra time. So, you know, finale came out over a year and a half ago. And, um, it was shortly after that, that I started writing this new book. 
um, in place of the other book. So I've had a lot of time with it. And it is just this idea that, you know, I feel so, I feel like that kind of idea that because it was sitting and I've been thinking about and dreaming about, it just felt very care about to me in the sense that I was like, this is the story I have to write. And if my editor doesn't love it, I will cry and weep and the world <laughs> will end like kind of thing. So with this book, it's funny because I don't feel the pressure except for me, like where it's mm-hmm. like, I am writing this book. I am so the worst because I'm like, I'm really writing this book for me. That's not the like, worst that, at all. That means it's going to be the best. <laughs> exactly. That at. makes it special. It does. And I just, so for me, the only pressure I really feel is like, I went into this book like oddly, like knowing exactly what I wanted it to be, like knowing how I wanted it to feel. Like I didn't necessarily know every twist and turn and I didn't quite know how it would end. Like I, you know, as I, as I was playing it out, cause there are mystery unknown elements in it. And I was like, Oh, it could go this way or this way or this way. Um, but I just, I, so I felt like the only pressure I felt is to like get the story right and get it right the way that I want it to be. And I envision it. And then I'm just kind of like, and I think, you know, it will find its readers and not everyone will be the right reader for it. I mean, it'd be great if I could write a book for everyone, but I don't even think that's possible. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I've really like writing this book has just been the most wonderful thing. Mm. I I didn't know if I could write a book like this again, because I thought it would feel all that pressure I felt with legendary and finale. But instead, and I think since nobody's known what I've written, even my agent, like I told her, I'm like, hey, I called Sarah. I'm writing a different book. I'll send it to you when it's done. And I didn't even (laughs) say anything to her because I was like, she's going to poke holes in it because it is not like a complete summary. It is like, this is this and this is this. And it makes sense to me. And I swear I'll make it work. And so I was really writing it to like, you know, win her over and win my editor over who, you know, I had called her with this pitch. So it, it was a different kind of pressure. It was more just for myself, but, um, well, that's a total Tom like, Brady move. Just calling your agent and being like, like, look, I'm going to the Tampa Bay bucks and it's going to be good. Peace. <laughs> Click. Yep. I'll, I'll show up for the first game and I'll just, I'll be there. And I'll be I ready. Rocket. Okay. That's right. <laughs> bye. <Bye-bye. laughs> I think that's the first, the only time anyone's ever compared to Tom Brady. Yep. But welcome to free yeah. cookie. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so it's just, it's been a, I'm really, I feel really thankful for this experience with this book. Um, and, and I think also just kind of writing in a bubble has been helpful and like having no one know what I'm doing, just like gave me the freedom to like really explore it. And, you know, just that motivation, like to get it right. For sure. Well, speaking of the bubble of this year, um, are there any books that you've read this year that just blew your mind that you want to share with readers or any authors that you feel like don't get the spotlight that they deserve that you want our listeners to know about? (gasps) Ooh, okay. I, you know what? I'm going to, okay. I'm going to give a shout out to, um, my critique partner. Her name is Stacey Lee. Okay. Um, she writes historical fiction and yeah, her books are amazing. Last year she had a book come out. Um, and I feel like especially right now, it was called Dear Miss Sweetie. And it took place post-Civil War Atlanta about a Chinese girl who lives in an underground, who lives underground um, because Mm. Chinese at that time were really not welcomed and they lived underground. And so to like make sure she doesn't lose her home 
underground um, beneath a newspaper that's struggling. She takes on the pseudonym of this like advice columnist called Miss Sweetie. Cool. That sounds great. And gives a lot of advice. And it also has to do with the, um, the like women's rights to vote. And there are just a lot of like really like present day issues that, that were still present, like in that book. And her books are just so insightful and really funny and full of heart. And, um, so I, I love all her historical books. Um, that is her most recent, but I also want to shout out, I think like, it's not out yet, but she's written a Titanic book that will be out next year. And, um, I'm so excited for this book. It is amazing. And this book, um, is about the Chinese men who are on the Titanic. So there were eight Chinese men on the Titanic and six of them survived and their stories really never been told. Um, so she's done a fictionalized version of this story because, um, there was a lot of shame with the ones who did survive. So, um, that's part of why it's never been told, but there's just a lot to it. And she just did. I felt like, I think the Titanic is always fascinating and I really love this like original fresh take on it. Oh yeah. Um, so I think, um, Stacey Lee is just amazing and incredible, um, I'm trying to think what other books I've read. I feel like I read so many books. I know. Um, it's it, it's really hard on the spot. I mean, I think I've read something like 60 plus books this year. And well, I guess I could say my favorite if yeah, I had to. Yeah. But it is hard to mm-hmm. conjure t- titles and names in the spot. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, and I keep thinking of books that like aren't released yet. Um, so I'm like, what did I read? You have all the special the sauce books, the, all the arcs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another title I read this year that's coming to mind that's older is All the Missing Girls. Have you guys read that one? That sounds really familiar to me. Mm-mm. Who wrote Megan that? Megan Miranda. Megan Miranda. No, no, I haven't read that. Okay. Yeah. It's a adult thriller and, um, it's, I had been intimidated by it because they were like, people had told me they're like, it's told in reverse order. Um, okay. and I don't know why that intimidated me, but then I picked it up and I read it one day. Oh, wow. Um, I love books yeah, like that. Which, yeah. Especially Ugh. this year. Cause my, I feel like my focus has just been shot. Oh, um, page turners are the best. I highly recommend if you're looking for one of those books, I, I didn't read it in a day, but the devil in the dark water, uh, Stuart Turton's new book <gasps> is I've been so curious about fantastic. That yeah. It's Ooh. really, I, I picked it for my book club last month and I got all like happy dancey before I announced it. And I hadn't felt that happy dance about a book in a while. So Ooh. yeah. Yeah. It's not a space pirate, but it is on a 1600 trade ship. So it's, like There's pirates, pirate. tangentially pirate, tangential pirate, tangential yeah. piratey. <laughs> All right, I am. I'm gonna pick that up because I do not want floating around. And instead, I think I got the guest list, which I haven't read yet. Oh, Lucy, fully, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I, I, also, I also really loved Anxious People. Oh wait, by, did you read that? Book? No, I read Normal People. You read Normal People, okay. which is. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like the anxious normal. They were thing. anxious in it, but <laughs> the title was Normal People. Now a TV show on Hulu. That's true. Um, all right, Stephanie, the the final question to any free cookies guest is, I'm going to do the open-ended version of this question. But Ooh, okay. What is your favorite cookie? Oh, chocolate chip. Yes. Just right out of the oven, like slightly underbaked. Oh, underbaked, nice. Uh, Crispy edges and soft on the inside or like underbaked everywhere? 
I can go either way. As long as it's underbaked in the middle, it is kind of nice when it's crispy edges because then it doesn't completely fall apart. I mm. often like get a little premature and then I take it out and yeah. it's a little too goopy. So yeah, probably you, a little better with the crispy edges. You don't want it to be warm cookie dough. You want it to be soft cookie. And there's a fine line mm. between those two. Do you ever want to replace the <laughs> chips with raisins and <laughs> add oats or no? No. <laughs> no. Oh, way to try, I don't Kate. Mind oats, but raisins, I feel like raisins are kind of sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're, this is where we sign off because I love oatmeal raisin cookies. <sighs> this reminds me of talking to Grady Hendrix, who I believe called raisins little shriveled dead grapes. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's like a literal interpretation. That's what they actually are. Such a good description. They're not dead grapes. (laughs) Well, they're not dead. (laughs) I'm thankful for the people in the world who love oatmeal raisin cookies because then it means you won't eat my chocolate chips. It leaves more chocolate chips for us. That's right. That's right. So you're thankful for me. Oh, my gosh. Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time to come talk with us. And we are very excited for your new mystery book. We will be following your Instagram to see what the the rumors are true and what isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. This this has been so fun and really a most excellent distraction (laughs) for us as well. So thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Stephanie. Awesome. Take care. And that'll do it for today's episode of, well, this week's episode, because it's not a daily podcast. It's a weekly podcast. I love y'all, but thank God this is not a daily podcast. Oh my God. If this were a daily podcast. We'd have to bring Ashi onto the show. You I, know those, those, like, where they have a camera on, like, Orkiona. a puppy pen? Yeah. Like, a puppy pen, like, a 24-7, and you can, like, like go to, like, com yeah. and just watch puppies. That, that would be our daily podcast. It's just Ashi with little headphones on being, like, well, we would just, that is actually her snores right there. Or her yawns. You could do a yawn. That's a good yawn too. Really good puggle yawn. We could voice Ashi as well. That could be if it were a daily podcast. That's right? true. But fortunately for you, we it's only, weekly. So come we, on, we up, once a week. We up the content level. Like for example, reading aloud the Apple podcast reviews that you, dear listener, offer and leave for us such as these such as if you haven't you can go on to apple Podcasts, and it would mean a lot to us if you could rate and review us and i want to say a big thank you to lil drabs exclamation point and also to clean dog well how's that spelled c-l-o-o-n-d-o-g-g c-l clean d-o-double-g okay cool yeah but thanks y'all for the five-star reviews. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Instagram, on Instagram, whatever, in the appy thingy. Um, we are at Free Cookies Podcast, and we are produced by the amazing Lindsay Collins of F&B Radio, another fantastic podcast that you should plug into your little delicate ears. <laughs> you know, when you read out the podcast reviews, it reminds me of when Cody on Peloton calls out leaderboard names. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, a lot of times he doesn't know what the actual leaderboard name is or like it strings two words together. You know, when you string two words together and sometimes- And he gets excited when he says it out loud. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he realizes, oh, it wasn't those two words. It was like, you know, it, I can't even think of an example right now. That's what you remind me of. Like clue dog could have been clue 
you know, it could have really, been different. <laughs> it could have been. What uh, could it have been? Clundo. Clundo double G. It could have been a lot of different things is my point. And also, this is mostly just a little bit of content for you Peloton users out there that I see you. And that there are times when it's a 30-second sprint on Peloton and he's calling out leaderboard names and we're creeping into 35 seconds and 40 seconds. And I'm like, fucking stop because my interval has ended. And, and people recognize that. And just so this doesn't sound like an ad for Peloton, you can find my yoga classes at glowglo.com. And you can follow your book club on Instagram at the Inky Phoenix. That's right. That's right. That's right. Bring them full circle, girl. All Mm. right. Mm. All right. Go get your reads on. Go get your non-pessimistic imagination on. Go get your sexy time on. Uh, I I mean, (laughs) okay. All right. Go get your dog petting on. There's a lot of things people are are doing now. That's an interesting follow-up. All right, we're going to cut.